I'm Dr. Chalmers, and this is uh, Wellness Insights with Dr. Chalmers. Today, we're going to be talking about B3. Uh, a lot of people don't know much about the Bs except for B12 and the energy. So I kind of wanted to go through some of these and go and chat about the importance of what some of these vitamins do. Niacin, or B3, takes a couple different forms, uh, nicotinamide, tryptophan uh, forms, uh, nicotinamide, adenosine uh, dinucleotide, or NAD. A lot of people have heard about NAD, NAD+, or the NADP, which is NAD phosphate. Um, these are really powerful, really helpful uh, chemicals for cleaning the liver and for resetting how the body functions. A lot of people have talked about how testosterone will mess up cholesterol levels and high dose testosterone can do that because it depletes the body of niacin. So again, when we start looking at the body and we start seeing that things are not going the way we want to, we shouldn't say, well, it's a mystery. I don't know. We need to start thinking what nutrients are being used up? What deficiencies do we have in just chemistry? Because health is bad chemicals out and good chemicals in. It's all chemistry. So if we can figure out, hey, we have this issue over here, if we start saying, what deficiencies does the body have that keep it from running the way it's designed to, I think we're going to be a lot better off than just saying, oh my gosh, it's a mystery. How, how can we figure out how to find a drug to, to give this to offset the symptoms? So I kind of want to go through some of the stuff that B3 does because I'm a big fan of B3. I use it in a lot of my protocols, especially high dose to kind of clear up a lot of stuff. So... There, niacin is known for being polyotropic, which means that it, it, it affects multiple codons, uh, epigenetic codons, and it can change more than just kind of one thing at a time. So epigenetics kind of takes us back to the idea that just because we, our genetics have, you know, tell us that it's going to go left and right, we can, we have epigenetics, which kind of sit on top of that and say, well, we go left unless this happens. And we go right unless that happens. And so we can direct our genetics just a little bit. So that's what we're starting to learn about with epigenetics is that we can actually change some of the genetic function that we have. So niacin is both neuroprotective and can cause neuronal death. So we, we've got to be kind of careful with how we're using it, when we're using it, and where we're using it uh, all around. So do make sure that if you're going to start playing with this, that you, you do it carefully. And you do it with somebody who knows what they're talking about, because it'll be it's kind of easy to go good and go bad. But then again, that goes back to my old saying, nothing strong enough to do good. Uh, nothing can do good without doing bad. Anything strong enough to help can hurt. So keep that in mind. So niacin has been shown to not only reduce all the bad cholesterol in your body, but can also increase good cholesterol. So when I talk about using this to clean the liver, that's what I'm talking about because of course, cholesterol is actually created in the liver. And so if we start worrying about cholesterol, we have to talk about the liver because that's where it's made. It's the factory for cholesterol. The, one of the quotes that I pulled from the research I want to give you guys was, niacin has seen extensive use alone or with combination with statin medications you know, coenzyme A, you know, in reductase inhibitors, that type of thing, in a reduction of total cholesterol, total triglycerides, low-density lipoproteins, the LDLs, very low-density lipoprotein, the VLDLs, that's where a lot of the new research is that says the VLDLs are worse than the LDLs, and total lipoprotein levels. Moreover, niacin is the most potent agent used to increase plasma high-density lipoproteins. Those are the HDLs, those are the good ones, uh, or the quote-unquote good ones. Uh, in patients with diabetes mellitus or mixed dyslipidemia, niacin has demonstrated at clinical trials 
that it can counterbalance cardiovascular risk in this patient population, decreasing cardiovascular morbidity and mortality. So basically what this is saying is that if we use niacin properly, we can adjust the cholesterol levels, we can decrease uh, heart attack and stroke risk, and we can really help the blood vessels in people who have diabetes. Uh, so, you know, if we're looking for a tool to start battling arterial sclerosis, placking, if we're worried about heart attacks and strokes, you know, getting high levels of niacin in is a great way to start treating some of the problems that we end up seeing. So now, like I said, there's a bunch of different versions. Uh, so typically, nicotinic acid is used for hyperlipidemia. Uh, so we need to kind of watch, you know, if we're looking for which form to use, nicotinic acid is generally the one we're going to use, nicotinamide mostly for nutritional support and, uh, you know, correcting issues of what's called pellagra, uh, which is, which is basically no light, no niacin, low, low niacin level. So the things that we typically see associated with niacin deficiency, cardiovascular events, obviously premature aging. And obviously that one's going to take effect because anytime the liver gets dirty, gets dysfunctional, whatever, we see it in the skin, acne, wrinkles, drying those the age marks for the skin the skin's not necessarily wrinkled but it looks like leather and you're just like wow you're old that type of stuff again we're going to see that at you know from a variety of reasons but lack of niacin is definitely going to be one of them we also see a lot of neurologic issues alzheimer's huntington's als muscular atrophy parkinson's that type of stuff and even some of the cancers like squamous cell and that type of thing we're going to see a lot with um niacin low niacin levels but we should kind of expect that, right? Because the liver is the number one filter in the body. And so if we can't pull out the inflammatory issues, if we can't pull out the chemicals that are creating damage, then we're definitely going to have problems all over the body because it becomes systemic, right? The liver is the thing that ends systemic inflammation. So the cleaner the liver, the cleaner the body. And this is one of the big pieces that we use to get the make sure the liver stays where it's supposed to. You can actually shut down the the overproduction of cholesterol by increasing niacin levels. So the the theory is is that the body is supposed to make cholesterol, obviously, because that's how we make all of our hormones. But it can overproduce it in the same idea, not the same way, but the same idea where cancer is just a way overproduction of normal cells. The body produces way too much cholesterol as the liver starts kind of going all wonky. And as a result of low niacin levels. So keeping the niacin levels in the right range is really important. Now, remember the right range for anything is very self-dependent. So what's the right range for me, for you, for your sister, for, you know, Aunt Becky, all totally different levels. And so that's the thing we kind of have to recognize if we have issues, symptoms, we have blood results, muscle testing. If we have something that says that you need more than the RDA, then that's okay. The, whatever the government says isn't always best. In fact, 99% of the time, it's not enough. But that's just kind of where we're at. So if, if you feel like you need more than other people, don't feel bad about it. Don't freak out about it. Don't think that that's necessarily wrong. You very well might need five, seven, 10 times more than, you know, one of your friends. So we're, we're all just kind of in a different boat. So keep that in mind. We've also been able to see, like, talk kind of back to where we're talking about with ins with uh, diabetics. Niacin has a way of showing that it, it reduces and reverses insulin resistance. So, insulin resistance would be where you know we have a ton of blood sugar, 
and we're producing roughly this, the right amount of insulin, but the body doesn't recognize the insulin and it's not utilizing it enough. So we can make the comment that either the receptor sites are blocked or they're, they've been what's called down-regulated, which means they're still getting you know hit with the insulin, but they're just not working as efficiently. So that's a really, really important piece is that, you know, as we start adding back in niacin, sometimes we'll start to see insulin resistance, metabolic disorders, and things like that start calming down. Now, I'd like to throw a little piece of this out there just as a heads up. If you're using medication to increase insulin function and you decide, hey, I'm going to start throwing a bunch of niacin in my body, uh, you might want to watch that because if you have insulin resistance and you're taking medication for it, then you take a ton of niacin and the niacin helps fix the insulin resistance issues, you can end up having way too little glucose in your system because your body sucks it all in because all of a sudden you went from a little bit of insulin function to a whole lot of insulin function overnight. And so do kind of play that in. So if you guys are on medication, if you guys are working on getting your insulin function back up and you decide, hey, I'm going to start throwing a bunch of niacin at this, make sure you talk to your doctor and make sure you guys work on it together so that you guys don't push too hard too fast. So that's a really, really important piece. Niacin, as you know, obviously the name implies, helps create NAD, which is nicotinamide adenosine dinucleotide, adenine dinucleotide, sorry. And NAD was, was first shown to start reducing damage of aging because it helps repair DNA from a normal different ways. Uh, without NAD, the body cannot grow or completely and properly undergo mitosis. So which is that that's where the cell divides. So what we'd see is that the cell is supposed to divide into two equal cells that then kind of carry on their own little thing. But what we were seeing in the in people who didn't have enough NAD is that they would divide and one cell would be pretty good and the other cell would not be very good at all. Not as a knock to Danny DeVito, but think of you know the movie Twins where they were supposed to be twins and one was Arnold Schwarzenegger and the other one was Danny DeVito. So one cell was awesome and the other cell was not as awesome. So that's kind of the idea of, of what's going on without the NAD. And so increasing the levels of NAD and NADP really helps those cells to divide properly. And so when we talk about aging, a lot of times people think, you know, oh, I look old, I feel old. But in this case, this could actually be one of those things where we start having organ failure. So if the heart muscles divide a whole bunch, if the muscles in the blood vessels divide a whole bunch, if muscles, uh, if cells in the brain divide, but they don't divide properly, uh, we're going to have problems as we go along that could end up creating substantial issues for our health long term. So the NAD is very, very important. The other thing, and I know people are going to get sick of talking to me talking about this, but I don't really care. The NADs really help to reduce free radicals, or as we all know, free radicals, the other name form is reactive oxidative stress or ROS. So this is another big piece because anything I can find that'll help the body reduce ROS, I'm 100% on board with it because, you know, the, the free radical damage that we have, that's the made piece, piece of aging. Whether you want to look at it from a how do I look and feel standpoint or you know, am I going to die from a heart attack, stroke, or cancer? Free radical damage is really, really dangerous, and we got to knock that out. So we got to get the antioxidants in. We got to get, you know, the, the support and the repair for ROS. And NAD and niacin are really, really important for that. So, you know, we got to make sure that we get those things put back together. The other thing is, if you know, we've, we see a lot of people with fatty liver. Uh, fatty liver is obviously something we, we really want to avoid because that shows damage to the liver 
or at least, you know, if you don't want to call it damage, we can at least say that it decreases overall function of the liver. And niacin and AD have been shown to greatly reduce fatty liver issues. So that's going to be really, really beneficial. Uh, it's also increased mitochondrial function all over the body. And so again, mitochondrial function is going to give us more metabolism. It's going to give us more ATP to run the heart, the brain, the muscles, get everything functioning. It's going to give us more energy. It's going to help clean things up. We're going to feel better, have more energy, be able to do more things longer. So again, this is one of those things we really, really, really need to push for and get as much in as we can. So, you know, if you have, you know, any of those things, muscle weakness, fatigue, you know, high cholesterol, anything else, we, we really got to get your NAD up. And oftentimes we can just do it by just giving you tons and tons of niacin. That's really beneficial. The other thing is, is that, you know, one of the worst cancers we can get would be a, like a glioma, like a brain cancer type of thing. And uh, glioblastomas, niacin has been shown to help reduce the, uh, the formation and the growth of those type of cancers. So again, just more reasons to get that in. So, you know, I, I do want to make sure that we go through and we cover the whole anything strong enough to do good is also strong enough to do bad piece. So when people have been taking large, large doses of this out, you know, unchecked over a long period of time, we see a lot of people, you know, they, they do reduce their cholesterol, but we start having diabetic issues. And so that's that's highly problematic. So make sure that if you're doing this, you're again, working with somebody who knows what they're doing with some of this stuff. And you can kind of keep, keep that in check. We see a little bit of increase in resting blood sugar over time that gets, you know, cumulatively worse. So after a year, you're fine. Two years, you're pretty good. Three years, you might see a little bit. Four years, it's a little bit more. And by five and six years in, you're, oh, okay, now we're, now we're in a bad place. So what we can do is we can say, oh, your cholesterol and your blood vessels and all these things are in a bad place. Let's fix them up. And then let's, you know, kind of work on different things to keep the liver clean. And then you can cycle niacin through to kind of keep everything functioning. And then we can bring you back down to a lower level to, as like a maintenance kind of function. So the idea of taking four, five, six grams for a little while is fine, but you know, you don't want to do that for a whole long, long time. So if you've been taking tons and tons of niacin, you know, for four or five years, make sure you start checking your blood sugars because that can be an issue we need to start dealing with. Uh, and again, Sometimes we're, we have we have people who have major issues, and so we need to stay high, but we balance on the other side. And so there's there's ways of balancing blood sugar raising, especially if it's slow. So we can we can still do that. But just understand that you know niacin is strong enough to do good, so that means it is strong enough to do bad. So one of the things that we see the most, the most problematic thing we see, which is not really that big of a deal, no one's going to die from this, is what's called niacin flushing. So what happens is that the face and the chest and the shoulders type of thing start getting really red and they get hot and people, you know, it feels like a hot flash type of thing because those blood rushes to the surface. This is oftentimes temporary. So if you have a really bad cardiovascular problems, this is something that you can just decide you're going to put up with for a little while and it will calm down. The other thing you can do is this is usually dose dependent. So what you can do is you can say, okay, you know, instead of taking, you know, 2000 milligrams or two grams all at once, I'm going to take. 100, 200, 300 multiple times throughout the day until my body gets used to it. And then I'll slowly go up, go up. And that's generally what we do when we start working with people is we start them low and we see what their body can tolerate and we slowly increase until we get to the therapeutic or the, the functional amount of niacin uh, without any side effects like niacin flushing. You can actually use aspirin if you're, if you just can't 
deal with it or you're in an emergency state, we have to push hard right now. A little bit of aspirin can knock this out. You take about, you take the aspirin about 30 minutes ahead of time and uh, the niacin flushing is really kind of calmed down. It's not, it's not that bad. You can at least deal with it. So we should kind of see a little bit of ALT, AST levels come up when we're taking high dose niacin. Now remember ALT, AST, it doesn't show liver damage. ALT, AST is amino transferase. How many aminos are in your blood? And of course, if we're working on the liver, we should see ALT, AST levels come up. Now, here's the fun thing. We should be able to balance that if we're cleaning the liver out. So this is why when I do niacin work, we also do coffee enemas. We also do all the stuff to ensure that the bile is flushing out and things like that. So as we're using B3 and we're using the niacin, I like to make sure that we're using high dose fully methylated folic acid and B6 and the other host uh, of methylated B vitamins to keep everything else the liver's trying to do, flushing as well and cleaning out as well. So we generally can, we can maintain not seeing ALT, ASC levels get too out of hand. If we're, if we're doing the coffee enemas, if we're doing the other work on the liver, you don't have to do coffee enemas. It's just much too much easier and cheaper. But at the same time, we can keep ALT, ASC function lower uh, as we clean the, the cholesterol levels. Because remember, if you're cleaning out cholesterol, where's all the cholesterol in your blood have to go? has to go through your liver. So it has to be cleaned out. So of course your liver has to work on that as well. So obviously there's gonna be lots of function in the liver. ALT, ASC levels are obviously gonna come up, but if we're cleaning the liver out at a higher rate, your ALT, ASC levels shouldn't end up being a place where anybody's concerned. That's kind of the, the biggest piece on that is that, again, if we look at the body holistically, not just you have a cholesterol problem, we're gonna throw niacin at it. If we go, you have a cholesterol problem, we need to help the liver out. Yes, niacin is going to help the liver out, but so is you know B6 and folic acid and you know histidine and all the things we need to throw at the liver to clean it. And so, yeah, of course, we need to work it holistically. So if you've got after, so there's certain people I don't want doing this. Just like, oh, good idea, I'm going to start doing this. If you have active peptic ulcers, don't don't, don't start this yet. You're you're gonna you're not going to love what happens. It's going to hurt again. I always tell people, start with clearing the meridian pathways so the body can communicate, empty the liver and the kidneys, clean them out. Then, you know, kill any parasites, you know, kill off the yeast, restore the gut so that the body can actually function and detoxify and get nutrients in. Then start doing stuff like this. So this isn't something that you just hear and you go, oh, I'm going to start this tomorrow. No, no. Establish the foundation. Make sure the waste can get out. Make sure the nutrients can get in because you have to balance everything else and then you can get going. If you have a peptic ulcer, we got to fix that first and then we can kind of go on. If you have active liver disease, so if your liver is actually all sorts of messed up, we kind of need to get that knocked out. If you have hepatitis, hepatitis A, B, C, we got to clean that and fix that first before we work in the liver. This should come as no surprise that if you have something going on with your liver, we need to fix that thing before we try to make a holistic long-term change. So, you know, obviously liver damage should be one of those things. You know, you always have to go through and tell the people if you're hypersensitive to, to something like if you if you for some reason, your body just really reacts poorly to niacin, high dose niacin is probably going to be a bad plan. So just heads up, if your body doesn't respond well to niacin, maybe we need to do something, a, a different form of niacin. Maybe we need to do titrated in differently. Maybe we need to do, you know, something to buffer it. But if you have bad, bad reactions to niacin, this might not be the best course of action for you. So, you know, it's also possible that you can be sensitive to something in the supplement. So it's not just niacin. It's something that is a cofactor or something that goes with it. And we can desensitize you to it or uh, we can keep, keep going on. 
there's there, there's a, just a number of other things that we need to work on. One of the ones I remember reading this in research and just thinking, oh my gosh, is it said, hey, uh, if you have arterial bleeding, uh, this might not be the best thing for you. Yeah, no joke. Yeah, there's a lot of things you shouldn't do if you're literally bleeding to death on the inside. Yeah, let's fix the bleeding to death on the inside first. That's literally, you know, when you call a doctor's office and they say, if you're having a medical emergency, hang up and call 911. This is exactly the same thing in research. They're like, oh yeah, if your blood vessels don't work and you're literally leaking on the inside, (laughs) you shouldn't do, you shouldn't do a liver cleanse. Yeah, no joke. You're going to die. Get your blood vessels fixed. So, you know, I, I added that one in. I wanted to talk about that just because, like, sometimes I read stuff in research and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, the, who, who decided that they need to, like, say this? Like, is this, it's, if you're on fire, put yourself out before you start taking a bunch of niacin because, it, you know, fire is more important. Yeah, yeah, obviously. So, I, sorry, I thought that was hilarious. I wanted to add that in. So, niacin can pass through breast milk. Again, don't do detoxes while you're breastfeeding. If you need to detox because you have too many heavy metals or you've got, you know, all sorts of other problems, don't breastfeed. You know, the idea that breast is best is kind of right and kind of wrong anyway, because if you're eating foods that your child is sensitive to, that breast milk is full of stuff that your baby's going to you know, find inflammatory. You know, if you're nutrient deficient, your breast milk is being nutrient deficient. So it's not that breast is always best. And especially if you're detoxing, it is in no way a good idea. If you're on any other high, high, strong medication, it's not a good idea to breastfeed. You know, you guys can snuggle up with your babies and feed them from a bottle and get the nutrients in your kiddos. Remember, same thing with babies, the same thing with adults. We have to get the chemicals in the body. So if the chemicals are not, if the good chemicals aren't in the breast tissue and they're not in the milk, you're not going to get the good chemicals in the kiddo. If you've got bad chemicals in the breast tissue and thus in the milk, you're going to put bad chemicals in your kiddo. So Let's let's think for just a second about what's coming out of our body going into the kid before we determine that breast is best. That's a it's a piece I like to make sure that we all kind of at least touch on. Now, niacin is really good for brain function as as a as a neuro guy, as a brain guy. This is a big big I'm a big big piece of this. So the way that it works is niacin helps kind of form what's called cyclic ADP or ribose and nicotinic acid uh, ADP. It controls intercellular calcium signaling. So basically the way that the neurons talk to each other, there's a big piece of this with this uh, ADP. And it's really critical for nervous system function, so the way the brain actually communicates. And so, and you can see this in the in the deficiencies uh, in, the, in, the, in the when we have low niacin and the problems that are created. So, like we mentioned, Alzheimer's, Huntington's, ALS, which is uh, amyotrophic uh, lateral sclerosis, musculature atrophy, Parkinson's, those type of things. So, uh, I mentioned this earlier, and I want to kind of go back through this. And niacin deficiency creates what's called pellagra. It's defined by what we call the four Ds: so dermatitis, which is inflammation of the skin. It looks kind of like uh, uh, psoriasis almost, uh, but it's, it's kind of all over the face. You see this in kids, like they're all like the cheeks, everything, dementia. So our brain just doesn't work right. Loose stools or diarrhea. And of course, death, because if you have, if your brain starts falling apart and you have diarrhea too long, which dehydrates you, all the problems get worse and then you die. So that is a thing. Uh, it would be very hard for someone to get full on death from Pellegra in the U S but just because you're not dying doesn't mean the quality of your life is where you want it to be. So the dermatitis that we see, the like I said, the inflammation, it's a little unique. The way it's unique is that when the sun hits the body, it damages the body at a much higher rate. So people get sunburns that 
are much worse than they should be. And they last longer and we see more skin cancer from them. And it's my, I believe that the reason for that is because the DNA repair is so much lower. When we get sun on the skin, the metabolism speeds up. And as the metabolism speeds up, we've got to have the, the building materials to actually allow these cells to replicate and divide and, and clean themselves up and function. So when we have, you know, low ADP, then we're going to have a harder time for cellular mitosis. We're going to have a harder time for the cells to function and the DNA is going to get damaged. I mean, we talked about that earlier, but that is something that's going to happen a lot. And so that's one of the reasons why we got to be very, very careful. Go ahead and feel like you can be in the sun. Just make sure that your nutrient levels are high enough to respond to the increased utilization of cellular turnover and you're going to be a lot better off. So that's going to be the big piece is we have that UV radiation that our body has to have because that's how we make D3. We also have to have enough nutrients so that the chemistry can run. So just keep your niacin levels up. So we, we talked about neurologic damage. When we have loss of NAD+, it's a supplement. I'm sure you guys have seen it. Uh, but I, I was like, NAD+, plus is a great supplement to take. I want to take a sidebar and talk about that. If you guys are looking for something to take and you want to take NAD+, plus, that's fantastic. I mean, I'm not going to knock that at all. I think it's a fantastic thing to take. However, I like to give the body all the substrates as long as the body can do it. You know, we have MTFHR issues. And so we have to give the body fully methylated B vitamins and that's just the easiest, best way to go. But I generally like to give the body all the substrates and let it go through its normal processes because just because we know, hey, there's a chemical over here that we really want to attack, we really want to get, doesn't mean the body's not using these, these substrates and these secondary, sorry, these primary chemicals to make something else that we need that we're not focusing on. So. I'd much rather give the body, especially in B vitamins cases, a whole lot of B vitamins all the time because whatever it doesn't want, since B vitamin, vitamins are water soluble, it'll just get rid of. And so, you know, you might be like, well, yeah, so I'm spending $10 more a month that's just not getting absorbed. But okay, that's, that's a question you're going to have to ask yourself. If I spent $0.10, cents, $10, $50 a month that I didn't need to, but I don't know how much I need. Sometimes it's $50 a month was wasted. Sometimes it's 30 we don't know how much our body needed in that time frame. So I choose to go a little bit higher. Uh, we muscle test everybody else. Besides me, I, I take a little bit extra. But that's one of the big ones. That And that's the big thing when we talk about NAD, low NAD from low uh, niacin, low B3. The worry that I have is that we're not going to know we didn't have enough until it's too late. Until someone starts presenting with Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, dementia, things like that. And out of all the things I'm scared about, I would rather have a heart attack and die today than to lose my mind. The idea of getting Alzheimer's, getting dementia, that terrifies me more than anything. I'd, rather, I'd, I'd much rather have a heart attack and die. I'd rather much rather get in a car wreck and die and die, boom, done, gone, than have my mind deteriorate, not being able to remember my kids or the first date with my wife or uh, just stuff like that. that that's, that's, that's horrible. So that's, that's the big piece, keeping your brain functioning. Is that, so, the the fun thing about niacin is that it, it's a it's used for a large number of chemical processes. That means that we use it up faster the higher the metabolism gets. So that's why I talk about with testosterone because, as we all know, testosterone you know substantially increases your metabolism all over, which is why we lose so much weight, we gain so much muscle, we feel so much better, and we have so much more energy. Our metabolism's higher, but again higher metabolism, the faster we make stuff. So again, metabolism is, you know, just the speed at which we make new cells. If we're making a lot more cells, we need a lot more nutrients. You make 10 cells a day, 
you only need a little bit of nutrients. You make 10,000 cells a day, you need a lot more nutrients. And so that's why as we start, you know, asking for and demanding that we create more, more tissue, more cells, we need more niacin. So as your metabolism comes up, uh, as you, as you ask your body's metabolism to come up, cause you're pushing against aging and that type of thing, you're going to need more nutrition and definitely niacin is one of the ones you guys need to get in. So if you notice that your cholesterol is not in the right place, if you do it, you know, if you do a calcium CT and your cholesterol, your blood lipid levels, your blood cholesterol is okay, but your calcium CT is not, you can still use niacin to clean a lot of this up. Remember niacin also is a, it pushes against reactive oxidative stress and free radicals. So it's going to be a good one for that. Now, I wouldn't use a tremendous amount of niacin unless we're seeing the eight LDLs come down safely and stay in a safe place and the HDLs go way up because the HDLs going way up is going to help break up and carry that placking out of the blood vessel. So niacin can still be used if we have a bad calcium CT. It's not the only thing I would use, but it's still going to be beneficial. So, you know, I wanted you guys to kind of understand what niacin is and how it works. And so, you know, hopefully now you have a little bit more appreciation. If you guys have more questions, you can obviously ask me, you can go, do, you can do your own research, but it's, it's a beneficial nutrient. Now remember, it's still water soluble. So you can't take a whole bunch of it once a day and be like, ha ha, I've, I've corrected the problem two or three times a day. Now niacin is not one of those that's really, really big for creating energy. So I have a lot of my patients take niacin at night. So it takes, you know, morning, noon, so breakfast, lunch, dinner, and then right before they go to bed. Now, if it causes flushing, sometimes people go like, I can't sleep because it causes flushing. Then don't take it at night, take it during the day, put up with it, take smaller doses all the time, get, tell your body gets used to the, the niacin and you don't have the flushing, then you can take a higher dose at night. But remember, the reason, this is the reason I have people take it at night, our bodies repair, regenerate, and clean themselves at night, especially the liver. The liver cycles between 2 a.m. and 4 a.m., typically in the United States, because uh, that's where the times are set up. So what's going to end up happening is that if we can take the niacin at night, when we know the liver is going to be doing the majority of its work on cleaning itself, it's going to be able to help a lot more. And so that's why I give the higher doses dosages at night. But uh, so it's a little bit on niacin. I hope I didn't get to in the weeds with you guys, but uh, this is why I like this. This is how I use it. And so if you guys have any other questions, hit us up and we'll be able to uh, help, help you guys get where you want to go. Thanks. Thanks.